Hey there, Laker fans. Welcome to another episode of Lakers Detailed. I'm your host, Vinay, with my co-host, Raj. We are almost 24 hours later after the Lakers have successfully performed the impossible, which is finally breaking an 11-game losing streak to the Los yeah. Angeles Clippers. This is a streak that has spanned multiple seasons. The Lakers haven't been able to, to beat them. And the Lakers finally did it last night in overtime fashion. Very thrilling. Uh, the Clippers blow a gigantic lead. The Lakers managed to also blow a lead in epic fashion. Uh, goes into overtime. And our favorite, Austin Reeves, helps take over and, and close the game out. There's a lot of love for him afterwards. But now that we've had a day later uh, to digest the game, to think about everything that's happened, we're also at a point. The Lakers are 3-2. and two. Uh Usually we want to wait till 10 games to get a real sample size, but with guys going in and out of the lineup, we got to work with what we got. So uh, also we want to try and talk about, you know, some of the five game, the trends that we've seen over these past five games. Um, and there's definitely a nice LeBron topic that we'll hit on a little bit later as it relates to his minutes that we'll discuss. But Raj, before we get into that, I hope you're doing well. I hope you've mentally and emotionally recovered from that roller coaster <laughs> last night. You were watching it live. I was playing basketball yeah. in real life, so I was tuning in here and there. And I told you offline, I saw the score. We were down by like 20 or something like that. And I was just like, Oh God, we're going to get rolled. And then we caught up and then we took the lead. And then we were up eight by like, and I was checking in in between pickup games. We were up eight with a minute and 30 or two mm -hmm. minutes left. And I was like, Oh dude, we got this game in the bag. Like you can't possibly blow an eight, eight point lead in two minutes. And I want to go play basketball. And I came back and we were in overtime and I was like, what the hell just happened? So I ended up watching it later. But tell me, tell me what what, you, what was going through your mind uh, as you were watching that game last night? Yeah, I, I think I told you as well. I'm kind of jealous you were able to watch it without all the emotion, you know, with yeah. all the craziness and the drama throughout. And that's why I love doing, like, my favorite games to rewatch are these type of games because within the moment you miss a lot of stuff. You miss a lot of the stuff, the, the details, right, of a game just watching through emotion and no, that was an exciting one. Um, the Lakers have played a tough schedule throughout to start this one. And this is obviously one of the ones that they had circled. And, Benet, you weren't going to snap an 11-game losing streak easily, right? It was not going to come easy. It was going to be tough. You knew it would be 19-point deficit in the first. This one fell over quick. Kawhi Leonard looked like 93 Jordan. You know, like he just... I, I watched. The, I watched. Yeah, I watched the first half. He was shooting our faces off, dude. It was. It was freaking nuts. I thought we were gonna get killed by like thirty points or something. Yeah, and then obviously Paul George goes nuts, and you know to close the fourth. In my opinion, like, Vinay, Paul George's best best defender is Paul George, right? Something always happens in the <laughs> yeah. playoffs, like where he just messes himself up. But Cam Reddish was right there, hand in the face. Was that a foul? Not a foul. You know that. You can you can go either way on that, but that was a fun contested game, uh, a gritty win for a team that needed it. We had no wings, right? The Clippers mm -hmm. just traded their wings. They're not getting wings back. They're getting James Harden back, but we should you know get wings back at some point. But we were missing all of our you know top eight rotation of wings, um, four of the guys that are supposed to be playing. But that was a fun one. A lot of good stuff to take from there. A lot of stuff that I think lets you know and lets you gauge where the team's at. Right, it's hard to gauge when you play like bad teams, but you play a team like the Clippers, tells you a lot where you're at, where you stand um, against a team that gave you their best punch, in my mm -hmm. opinion. Paul George, Kawhi, Russ, those dudes threw haymakers, um, and they were able to withstand it. So that was that was a fun one. Yeah, I think I think roller coaster is is just basically I I the the consensus. You know, obviously there was the section of 
fans that were just going crazy on each other, the Clippers versus Laker fans making fun of each other or whatnot. Um, but there was a lot of uh, fans that I saw that were not like they didn't have any investment in the Lakers or the Clippers winning that game. A lot of them were just saying it was just a fantastic game to watch. And then when I ended up rewatching Absolutely. it, um, I was just like, this is nuts. Like just the way that this game is turning out. And um, this is probably what, you know, a lot of people envisioned, um, you know, there's, there's different players than there was a couple, a couple of years ago. But when the whole battle of L.A. thing was happening, I'm sure people weren't envisioning these teams blowing leads to each other multiple times in a single game. But they're probably right. expecting like, you know, LeBron 30 ball. Anthony Davis, 27, Kawhi, 30 ball or 20, you know, whatever he ended up having. Paul George scoring as many points. Like the superstars show up, you know, fully locked in to, to score. Yeah. And um, yeah, I agree with you, dude. That that first quarter, it looked like Kawhi was just going to take over, like just just throw the knockout punch from from the very start and, and the Lakers wouldn't come back. But there were there was points in the game where the Lakers kept going on little small mini runs to chip into the lead, chip into the lead, chip into the, to, sorry, not the lead, the deficit. And um it carried over into the second half. That was that was pretty opposite. Um, I think a guy who didn't get talked about enough, D'Angelo Russell, was instrumental to to launching that mm-hmm. comeback uh, at the start of the third quarter. Yeah, D'Lo was awesome. He's uh, I think back to back twenty seven plus point games for him. Right, mm-hmm. I think he had twenty seven against Orlando, twenty eight last night against the Clippers. Just looked like a professional guard. The Clippers, Mane, I think I tweeted this earlier. They're one of the most egregious teams of packing the paint on us. Like, egregiously oh, yeah. pack the paint on us, right? They basically dare us to take jumpers. Last night, LeBron was, what, 12 for 16. I think a lot of them were jump shots that, you know, went down. D'Lo as well, I feel like he was one of the first ones to hit some spot-up threes and just kind of weaken the defense a little bit, right? Make them kind of part uh, part way so that the rim and you can attack the basket a little bit more. But he was awesome. We have a team, though, Vinay. It's fascinating. He had, like, 27. Didn't close the game. Like was mm. bench for uh Christian Wood, which I think was the right decision. That was kind of where our strength was in that one, right? Christian Wood, AD lineups, which when hey, the numbers are berserk. Like you go look at like yes. what the <laughs> what the AD LeBron and uh Christian Wood lineups right now. Those do they're like a plus sixty five net rating and in, in about sixty seventy minutes so far. The sample is small, but it's growing, right? It's a small yeah. sample, but you keep going. Christian Wood has led the team in plus minus for five straight games now um and i don't think that's just a blip on the radar anymore it's something that we you know we'll get into later uh, but no Delo was awesome austin struggled the first half one for five from the field five turnovers a lot of again a lot of lateral passes that got tipped a lot of lateral passes that were turnovers and then the second half we kind of were like scratch all that five out like let's get yes. pick and roll basketball which austin yes. thrives in right make norm guard him norm was the worst defender on the court and they, they threw him on austin and Austin got to cooking, but D'Lo's 27 is a big reason we got back. I thought him and LeBron really carried in that first half to keep it close, right? We, we cut the lead to 13, yeah. um, and we're able to come back from that. But no, D'Lo's been been awesome to start the season. Shots didn't fall in Denver, but after that, Benet, he's played really well. He's had a he's had a really good start start to this one. Yeah, I mean, I, I think he's been pretty composed. Uh, even in that first half, like you said, when Kawhi was hitting, you know, jump shots, like D'Lo was hitting his open jump shots, keeping us like yeah. within striking distance. Like the three ball can be the equalizer when you're trying to, you know, if you're having a bad bad game overall scoring, but the three ball can get you back into it if, if you're if you're making him at a decent clip. And I think you're 100% right, dude. Like um, the Lakers took 23s in the first half and um, they made seven of them, but they took 20. 50% of their shots, they took four, I think 40 shots total in the first half, 20, 20 of them were threes. And 
it, it's it, they made seven of them which is not like it's not bad like you know obviously yeah it's not a terrible percentage to shoot shoot um I'd, obviously you'd want to hit one or two more that makes a big difference but um the thing about it is we were playing into what their defense wanted what and, and that was what one what my issue was I, I was in a chat and we were discussing this and, and one of the things i was saying in the chat was hey we should probably give ad the ball a little bit more because he's mm-hmm. ad only had six attempts at the half and he was three for six. And, you know, to, to some degree, the Clippers, they show a, a type of coverage to, to avoid um, the Lakers. You know, they don't want to give AD the ball. Like the, the yeah. thing that Ty Lue has done every single game is he will show early help or he'll show the double or he'll send the yep. double so that AD gives up the ball. They do not want AD to touch the ball because they, they really don't have somebody who can guard him one-on-one. So they just try to jam him up with bodies. And I think the Lakers got into this game where – it, it turned into a jump shooting game in the first half. And we usually are not going to win jump shooting games. Um, you know, and, and we were fortunate that Braun and, and, and D'Angelo were able to hit a couple um, in, in the first half to keep us within striking distance. But in the second half, against that, like, kind of zone coverage that they had, we started cutting it up. D'Angelo gets behind the zone uh, for yeah. easy passes. You see Austin cutting through the zone, the, the middle of the zone to, to do touch passes. You run pick and roll to, to break that up, too, as well. Um they mixed it up. They said, okay, we're not yeah. going to take threes. They took 20 threes in the first half. They took 12 threes the rest of the game. Mm-hmm. That that should tell everybody right then and there that the Lakers realized. And I think you illustrated some of it. Like they went to a bigger lineup. They're like, okay, we're just gonna we're just gonna beat you down with our size now. The Clippers are coming off of a back-to-back. It's the second half of the game. Their legs are going to be tired. They're trying to throw the knockout punch early, hoping that the Lakers are gonna give up. And the Lakers did it. And they were led by D'Lo. And obviously, they were led by LeBron. And in overtime, they were led by Austin. But I think people, because I saw the, I saw the thing on ESPN today where, you know, AD is always going to be a number two. That clip was circulating on, on Twitter today. And they're basically saying that AD will never be the one. He's always going to be the number two guy. Sorry. And I think it's unfortunate because he was fantastic, dude. Defensively, he, he's been fantastic, like, the past four games. Like, since the, Den- the second half of that Denver game, yeah. Even the first half he was good, but that second half he was a little bad. But since then he's been a he's been a monster, and yeah. I, I don't think he gets his just due. But I it, it really felt like a total team effort. It felt like the team was trying to make it sound like it was a total team effort it, to to beat that Clipper team. It, it was, and for AD, you take away Vinay that first game against Denver, he's averaging twenty eight a game. I mean, yeah. uh, averaging like three blocks, I think like 12, 13 rebounds. Um, he's been he's been awesome, incredible, and the. Burden he carries right on the defensive end with all the small lineups that we throw out there, his help, you know, responsibilities and all that. You throw that all together and you flip that Sacramento game. We're four and one. He's in like MVP conversations, right? But, you know, Lakers are three and two. So it's harder to kind of throw him in that. Um, mm-hmm. And he was great. I thought when we went down, I think we went down our eight or 10, and the Clippers, when they went super small, right? They had like Paul George guarding him. And I was, I was like, I was screaming, like, you guys just give eighty has to get the ball here and score. Right, like yeah. get Paul George on you, um, and the Clippers stopped throwing as many double teams. I think our guys started to hit some shots. D'Lo started to hit some threes. LeBron was hot. Christian Wood was out there. Christian Wood a big three to cut it to one as right yeah. as well. His th- you know he had a three go in, and I, there was one play that was one of my favorite plays from AD. I think they had Paul George or Cole, I don't remember who it was. But I think it was PG. Give the ball to AD. Little quick move, I believe jump hook, and then the camera Benet pans to his face, and he had one of those like can't like. Who, what are they? What are they thinking? Having him on me, you know what I mean. And he doesn't do yeah. that stuff enough. He's not very showboaty, for like lack of a better term. And I think that's why. And he's also not on social media, right? So like, 
that's why yeah. those ESPN shows are able to kind of tell the story for him, you know, because right. he doesn't care about those things. And he's the only times he really speaks is on post games. I feel like if he did more of that stuff, he would kind of maybe be in different conversations about, you know, Joel and B tweets after the game and all that stuff. Like AD is just not involved in that. But in any case, uh, no, he was, he was great. I don't think he'll ever be the number one, like offensive engine on a LeBron team, especially with LeBron being still this freaking good. Um, yeah. But he was, I mean, he's averaging 28 a night along with the defensive stuff. I mean, there's not much more you can ask. And he took advantage. They played Zoo off the floor. Like, yeah. uh, you know, when Zoo's on the floor, they attacked him. They took him off. They he killed him on the boards. He put them in foul trouble early uh, on the switches. They had, like, Bones Highland on him one time, and he, AD just lived at the line. Um, that's the way you attack the Clippers. And the stark difference to me, Vinay, we lost 11 in a row. This is one of the few times where, like, they had to think about sending as much help. Right, like it's yeah. one of the few times when you watch a Clipper Laker game where the the Lakers had some of their jump shooting going, and you had D'Lo making shots. Christian would be able to space the floor, and it just makes the, the life a little bit easier um, for the Lakers. Nine point lead, a minute left in the fourth. That's a pretty in control game. Obviously, you let loose of the handle at the end with Paul George uh, just going nuts, but that was a really strong game from AD. I thought he was incredible, and he started off the season amazing. Um, yeah, yeah, he's he, game. Yeah, he's he's been a complete machine. Uh, I mean, I, these past three four games, even even if his personality doesn't show, I, I don't think his production should be. I I could on we could probably both agree that he's probably missed out on being able to score more points just because teammates have sort of missed him on on some of his dives to the rim and stuff like that. And I you know over time, I think every five games they do like this film session with within the team where they kind of point those sort of things out. Sure. The the crazy part is that he's playing this well and. The lineups without LeBron, the the ones where Austin's kind of been struggling a little bit. Um, once Austin hits his groove, that 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 lineup is going to like his his numbers are going to get even better. Like that lineup data and then the data behind all that is going to be is going to be fantastic. And we'll get into the data stuff because I definitely have some very interesting data things that, that we should mm -hmm. definitely discuss. Um, but let's 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 pivot keep keep the focus on the Clippers and let's pivot to the defensive side of the basketball. We talked about AD change up. Cam Reddish had a fantastic game last night. Um, yeah. A lot of Laker fans Oof. were grumbling. Obviously, Torian Prince was a late scratch uh, from the game. His knee was bothering him. Um, and so Cam Reddish, you know, Darvin Ham has very clearly, sounds like he is believes in Cam Reddish. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I think he did have a part in, like, recruiting him and bringing him onto the team same way as he did with Christian Wood. And Cam answered the call defensively. Uh, obviously, there's di many different highlight plays to block on Kawhi. But nothing better, I think, personally, than Paul George trying to size him up one-on-one -on, -one on the yeah. perimeter and Cam picking him clean, like, you know, like it's a high school basketball game. And, you know, it ends up it ends up with a D-low, uh, two-on-one D-low ends up getting the breakaway layup. But that's a play that only a guy like Cam can make because he's physically the same kind of player that, like, the measurables are like Paul George. And yeah. how many times have we seen Paul George size up some uh, any Laker on the floor on the perimeter in these past 11 games that we've lost to them and just get whatever he wants. And I thought that was, I, you know, like it's a small play, obviously it's only two points, but those are like plays where like the offensive player goes, wait a second, like, Oh, I can't just do what I want to do. Like these guys are yeah. going to try and, you know, make sure. And I thought Cam played a huge part uh, in, in just not allowing the Clippers to, to try and try and punch back and, and, and seal us away. what do you think about Cam's performance defensively? 37 minutes for Cam Reddish, which in a game in a game against the Clippers, right? Like this is a big time ball game. And I remember we spoke on the pod 
I remember what, what day it was, but I asked you if Cam is kind of Vando's replacement, right? And that's kind of what it was tonight. Vando would be Vando would get the Paul George or Kawhi assignment. Cam got the Paul George assignment on that play you're talking about, Vinay. I think it started on the wing. Cam went over a screen, and we call that mirroring, right? So, like, a defensive yeah. player's job is to mirror the offensive player. And it is absolute textbook. Like, you slow motion that, and you watch him kind of mirror the ball. How many players can pick Paul George, like, in an ISO possession at the top of the key? That's, a, that's one of the guys with the best handles in the league um, for any size, let alone wing. And uh, Cam picks him right off. And it's not just those plays. It's the making the shots tough, right, able to chase him around. And that's the thing that was so – like that's kind of the blessing in disguise. Obviously, you don't want to see injuries at any time. Of course. Um, but we're kind of you kind of learn some things. And I said, like, you can't really learn against bad teams, but against good teams, you learn a lot. You're able to mm-hmm. gauge a lot. You're able to mark where you're at in different places. And the the Cam and Max lineups to me were like, wow, like that's different, right? Like we were running these Gabe Vincent, Torian Prince, Cam Reddish at the four lineups. You move Cam to the two, and it looks like there's a bunch of this size and length and this is just not the Cam Reddish that we were like sold, right? Like the right. Cam, like people are like, "Oh, you were wrong about Cam Reddish." Well, the train we got isn't the one that left the station, right? The the right. one the the Cam Reddish train that people were saying was coming is not the one that we got on. This train has like different wheels and all this stuff. Like this is a guy that's buying in defensively. That you know yeah. he didn't make any threes, one for six from three. But the transition stuff, he can fly in lanes. And um, Darwin hasn't bought in. Him and Christian Wood, we'll get into later, but. Cam's been awesome on defense. And I'm not sure we would have seen this, Vinay, if the whole team was healthy. I I just I'm I'm not sure if we would have been able to find out if Cam turned into this defensive um kind of ace, which I, I just I just did not expect. So it's been it's been fun watching Cam defend. He had a do you see the block on the block on Kawhi where he took the bump in yeah. transition and blocked it with his left hand? Yeah. Those are now, like it, tough defensive skills. Yeah, it's that's that's the, one of the things that we've actually said about Vando. Like Vando, even though he's a skinny, like he's a little bit of a skinnier type wing, yeah. he's not like a strong, heavy, like lower body, lower center of gravity wing. He can absorb contact, and then he closes the gap with his with his uh, with his length. And Cam is an, another guy that looks like he has the ability to do that. He's not going to be a guy who's going to be able to, you know, clamp guys in the post or anything like that that are the same height as him. But he can certainly guys who like to face up guys who want to shoot over uh, the, you know, the defender cam can challenge guys like that. He's got good hands. He's got good technical skills, like defensive technical skills. His anticipation is really good. So like, I could see it. Vando has it. Cam has it. But like you said, we said this in the preseason, we said, look, cam's off. Cam has not looked good offensively, but the defense is there. Like yeah. he's playing good defense. His on ball defense has been good. His screen navigation has been good. We talked about the motor that that's required, how it's different, like the screen navigation motor versus the remounting motor. All these things are very different. <clears throat> and Cam takes the challenge. And, and I think that's awesome. I think it was a really nice moment for him. It was a nationally televised game for, for him to do that. We're, we're always happy for the guys trying to get that next contract to get the, these kind of games. Obviously, it's great because we win the game. But yeah, the, the other thing for them on the human side is, we're happy that you know he gets that opportunity to shine. You know whether it's Lonnie Walker game four or whatever against the in the playoffs against the Warriors, whatever it is, we, we, it's cool to see him get that shine. So I think it's great that Cam um, was able to step up. He was like a physical mirror, dude, to Paul George. Like they, their yeah. their measurables are the same. So it's just like telling him like just go guard the guy that basically is the guy that you want to play like. Like just defend him. Like you would think that you would defend yourself, and, and it kind of worked out. 
do you remember and we were we were covering the preseason games and we said cam every game had like one play yeah i was like oh shit like that's why that's why every he's going to continue to get shots whether he flames out here someone yeah. else is going to buy in this stock he had like an attack on a closeout in the corner of Benet where he tried to dunk on zubach and i was like oh I was like, whoa, like I, I haven't seen that from him before. Yeah. And again, it's like that one play every game where I don't I'm not sure he ever figures out the offensive stuff here. But I think it's it's clunky and he looks like he has a different three point shot every time he shoots. Like his shot yeah, is it, not, it, consistent. It's not consistent. Yeah, no, it's, <laughs> it's a different shot every time. And he did make one. Uh, I think it was in transition and he looks like a guy that's more comfortable kind of shooting off the ball. But just getting this. And I think in the post game, they, they asked him and he said, uh, I'm more than just a three and D guy, which is fair. Like, I, like I understand okay. that from his point of view, I'm not sure he'll get that role here, but like, I understand him, him feeling that way. Um, but yeah, the, like watching cam be this like defensive ace is not what I expected. And I want to ask you if we get nothing offensively from cam, is it still a guy you keep in your rotation? I think it's tough to take him out, right? Like I'm just thinking when yeah. the team is healthy, if you're getting nothing production wise offensively, um, and he's kind of in Vando's role here as like yeah. the a spot. And I think you saw last night, not that Max played bad because he didn't, um, but I can kind of see why Darwin is kind of leaning on Cam first, I guess, in, in terms of in terms of those two. But um, yeah, I, I'm not sure we'll get much offensively. But if he's continuing to give me defense, Vinay, yeah, I think it's a tough guy to kind of take out of, of the rotation. Yeah, I mean, the, the way that we always think about it is, um, and, I, and I think we've also discussed this about the Vando thing, um, like the, in the preseason or in, in the offseason, there's been so much conversation about like, oh, Vando's three ball, Vando's three ball. Yeah, yeah. And like how it how it like fundamentally changes, you know, the whole Lakers offense. You know, one of the things that we kind of said very frankly is he's only attempting like five or six shots at the very most throughout <laughs> the entire much. course of the game. So it's just like his three ball isn't making, maybe it changes the way teams defend this at the end of games, but mm-hmm. during most of the, the, the 90% of, of, of the game, pe- teams are not defending. They're not playing off of Vandal like that. Like even with like, we watched the Lakers play against Russ, right? With the Russ played last night and we've had firsthand view of, you know, Russ not being a good shooter. How much did the Lakers really play off of Russ? Like they they had to play him because he was going to go get into the paint and score in the late game situations, we play way off of them, right? Like, what did we do against Orlando? We were playing Markel yeah. Fultz straight up, and eventually he kept getting to the rim. But once it got into the close game, they put LeBron on Markel Fultz, or that was his assignment, and LeBron played all the way back at the free throw line. That's how normal NBA teams play. Playoffs might be a little bit more different. They might be a little bit more, you know, um, into the scouting report and playing off of them. Yeah. But I think the Cam thing it kind of falls into that same category. It's like, if Cam makes shots, great. But we're not really looking to set him up. Shots. Our, our offense isn't dictated on getting him open shots or or guys that are standing in that specific spot open shots go ahead right now yeah and i think the one of the main just differences to me is cam is a 84 percent career free throw shooter yeah you know what i mean and i think that's just kind of a different thing that's not a guy you could just send to the line right yeah. and if we can get anything offensively i think that's just a major kind of plus for him but like free throw shooting Bene usually projects better as like for shooting, right? In terms of like to project out and Cam's been in the league long enough and he's, he hasn't taken a lot, but uh, last night I kind of, he did miss one. And I think uh, going in the, in the fourth at overtime or something like that, but yeah. again, a good free throw shooter and a guy, if you can just play him on the wing when you already have the shooting, we've discussed this with Austin and D'Lo, LeBron and AD are going to um, cannibalize the offense in their own ways uh, at their own times. And if Cam can just be this like flying around wing um, that has like, he has all the stuff, Vinay, where like since he's not a good shooter, teams play often, but 
once you close out, like his attack at the closeout. He can attack, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and he has like a burst to himself, and he has all those like finishes around the rim. He gets fouled a lot because he's uber athletic. You just compared the uh, measurables to Paul George. Uh, it's a, I could see why he's a tantalizing as hell prospect, yeah. even though it hasn't transferred over. Um, but yeah. he's, it's, his, it's interesting watching him. Mm-hmm. His offense, I think. I think his his what he needs help with. I I, I think um, Cam's issues. Uh, he probably has some technical offensive issues, but I think. Yeah. Uh, one of his issues is for sure. Um, it's the way I'll just say I, I, it's not an IQ thing. It's I, it's just the way he reads the floor. You know, again, in the preseason sure. stuff, we've talked about the difference between reading, like what, what's reading the floor and then what's processing speed, right? Like processing your reads. I think Cam, his, the way that he'll probably unlock himself offensively and they'll probably see on the tape is just don't take the three. If they're leaving the lane wide open for you, again, like the rust thing, if they're leaving the lane right wide open for you, you're like six eight. Go attack the rim. Go get a draw a foul at the rim. Finish at like he can still finish layups. It's not like he's he's not he's not capable of doing that. I think that'll probably be the next thing he does. Like if if he as he gets those catches, whether somebody cl- closes out on him or not, he's just gonna go straight to the rim. And you, you like you mentioned, he tried yeah. to post her Zubak. Like that's probably his next read. That's that's the read he needs to make when he gets those open shots. If he doesn't feel comfortable about uh, of taking those corner threes, um, but so great game for him. We're we're happy we're happy that he's seen it. Um, Lakers were down. Okay, the, the other reason why this is a great one is Lakers were down pretty much all their wings. Vando wasn't playing. Yeah. Uh, Gabe didn't play that game. Gabe's not a wing, but uh, Rui didn't play that game. Somehow Rui went from an eye contusion to a concussion, and I was like, yeah. what the hell? Like, did you guys not like? get this right the first time like this maybe maybe they just didn't know it was a concussion uh but we didn't you know and, and we lost torian also so mm-hmm. lakers really didn't have i know the the uh, the clippers traded all their wings for up for harden who's supposed to show up this week this weekend for him but we also didn't really have wings you know um yep. in, in that same manner uh and the lakers were able to pull it out um so we got you know 80 look great uh cam look great dilo look great uh but we should talk about the big dog, LeBron. Uh, he was on ball. He was doing his thing. He was doing his stuff in the mid range. He was he was being the Bron that we expect to make. There was actually a play which I thought was really cool, um, where Bron went to attack the rim and take a layup and transition, and he missed it. But Anthony Davis came in, he like took the offensive rebound and scored it himself. And I think he drew a foul or something like that on that play. Mm-hmm. And like when I saw that level of effort, I was like, okay, these guys look like they kind of, they they want to win this game. They're not trying oh, yeah. to just just coast through this game. And we know what it looks like when, when they're trying to coast through a game um, that they feel that they can't win. LeBron was a table setter. Uh, he was a, a crucial part of keeping us in the game too as well. Um, had some really great defensive plays. He had the block on Russ, on, on Russ's, the chase down uh, on Russ's layup. What, what did you think about Bron's performance um, yeah. last night? Yeah, it, it was interesting because watching Kawhi just hit everything, right? Like bucket after bucket to start the game. And uh, down 19, this felt like it was going to be boring very early. LeBron got into that mode, Benet. You know when he scores, he gets like a like not an one, but he gets fouled. He kind of flexes, just kind of like yeah. he got some contact and he does that. Yeah, and I yeah. saw him do that when I think we we're down like 16 or something. I was like, oh, he's taking this yeah. little like this is where it got a little personal. And yeah. you got James Harden on the bench, right? Benet, you got Paul George and Kawhi hitting shots. And I felt yeah. LeBron was kind of like, no, you still have to go through me, right? Like I'm still I'm yeah. still the one you have let, to kind of go through. Let, and, and, let, let me ask you a question before you continue. Okay, Did you okay. think and this is just my honest opinion of it. Did, did you think he was coasting a little bit in that first quarter? Oh, oh yeah. Like, the intensity was nowhere okay. near where it needed to be. And Kawhi is a guy, 
like he doesn't feel you anyway but if he can sense that you're like you're half-assing through a screen he's gonna yeah. freaking torch you you know yeah, what I mean? that's, I watched- that, that's how i got worried i was just like uh yeah. rod doesn't look like he's trying to match this intensity i think we're gonna get killed but it's obviously changed. But go ahead, go ahead, finish. No, no, yeah, and just on Kawhi, real quick, I was at the game against the Spurs. I watched him play the Magic. Did not break a sweat in either of those two games. So I knew, <laughs> <That's> insane, like, <laughs> so I I knew that like tonight he would, you know, he would put on yeah. his his best show. Um, but yeah, LeBron, I thought just in that kind of end of first, second quarter, just started getting going a little bit. Right, started to attack the rim, got some baskets. Um, and I thought this was one of the first Laker Clipper matchups where uh, his jump shot was going number one. And that got him to cook Zoo because he was a guy that just stays in the paint, right? But now he's a drop coverage big. Um, and it, like he attacked him in pick and roll every time. Remember those bank shots you were talking about against Orlando, yeah, where he had those like tough banks, had those again against the Clippers tonight, had some mm-hmm. tough finishes at the rim. I think it was like 12 for 16 from the field at one point. Uh, just absolutely cooking, had the step back three over Zoo to kind of put us up three that was supposed to ice the game. Um, I thought he looked awesome and physically I think he looks great played 42 minutes he came out for like 40 seconds at one point I don't know if you saw this part um I did look pissed off like absolutely yeah. pissed off that he had to come out of the game and then um, I think they yeah. scored and the Paul George scored yep. and they called the time a uh, Darwin called <laughs> yeah. the time, which was I, yep. which was actually great because normally I think last season Ham would wait two or three more possessions before actually calling that timeout. And he just called it like immediately. And I was just like, well, thank you. Like, thank you for learning from what you should have done, you know, from, from your, from your Koji last season. Go ahead. If there was a temperature on LeBron's head, like it would have broke, you know what <laughs> I mean? Like they panned the camera over to him and I think he mouthed like, what the hell are we doing? You know? So like yeah. he came out 40 seconds, which again, every minute kind of matters, I guess in, in this game. Uh, but no, I thought LeBron was awesome. This is the guy that we want to get to the playoffs. And it's a game again, Kawhi, Paul George giving their best punch. And I thought LeBron showed, like I can dig in my bag and I can pull this out too. Like I can yeah. still pull this out of me. And I think that was important. Dominated in all the ways you hope. Um, we'll get into the two big stuff, which I think really helped him on the defensive yeah. end, kind of help his defensive responsibilities. But they look great, man. This is one of the best LeBron games that we've kind of got. I think he finished with what, 30, 35, 36 or something like yeah. that. Um, what'd you see? What'd you see from, yeah. from LeBron? Yeah, no, I, I feel uh, it, the first thing I want to talk about is like the, his intensity to start the game felt very casual. Yeah. And uh, I got a little worried that he'd be too cool. He'd do that thing where he'd be like too cool to like care about the game. And I was just like, oh no, if we do this, then we're, we're going to get blown out for sure. And then gradually, you know, like in the second quarter, I saw him kind of pick it up. Um, he, he, I feel like you can always sort of tell like whether he, he's into the game or not based on just how much he's attacking in transition sure. and, and how much how active, how hard he's trying to get two feet in the paint actively. And um, I think like when he settles for jumpers, obviously there's some times where his legs are tired or he might just be physically exhausted. But in the first, second quarter, if he's doing stuff like that, then it's like, okay, maybe, you know, he's trying to just kind of chill until, until the fourth quarter. And so it was cool to see, it was nice to see him get, engaged into the game um, yeah after that barrage from Kawhi in, in the first quarter and and keep us in it you know and i think the rest of the team kind of followed his lead too to some degree um and look man i'll be honest dude like if you're not going to give anthony davis the ball and he's only going to shoot the ball six times in the first half like we you kind of have to do that somebody has to do that for this team and you know for orlando against orlando it was delo and for the, i think for this clippers game you know we can safely say it was lebron that that was kind of spearheading that with Dila helping him out too as well. But yeah, like that has to be like the way that we go about doing this. Like if our goal as a team is to coast 
you know, let LeBron kind of coast and not, not do too much until the fourth quarter. I think his clutch, he's like leading on all the clutch stat categories, points yeah. scored per game and stuff like that. Like there, it's very clear that's what he's trying to do, but that's not going to be the only way that he goes about this Clippers game. He couldn't coast until the fourth quarter. He, we needed his help sooner yeah. than that. Um, but I'm just glad that he got engaged to it. Like I'm glad that he got into it because I, dude, we've seen so many times in this matchup where like the first quarter, the Clippers will go up by like 20 and Lakers just like, yeah, whatever. You know, like we're not, you know, we're not going to really, try, our stars won't try to fight too hard uh, to, to get yeah. back in the game. The Clippers have done this to the to us so many times, and our starting yeah. lineup already is kind of this. Uh, we talked about it before. This like lackadaisical kind of a lot of too cool for school sometimes, and yeah. it's very smooth, right? And Kawhi just came out and punched us in the mouth, so where we had no choice, right? Like you're down 19, it's kind of like, are you going to be embarrassed or you're going to come back? And I thought that really got LeBron going, and he got this kind of personal uh, matchup and James Harden against courtside. I thought it all kind of um, lined up for him, but he was awesome, and it, I we need to kind of see that every few games. I feel like, like I, I just, him being able to go into that tank and still pull that out. Right. And I think it's great. Um, people are mad about the minutes. I, I know we'll get into that, um, yeah. but it's the Clippers, man. Like that's not, it's not the Hornets or the Spurs. Like the Clippers right. had their, I know James Harden wasn't playing, but I mean, they have pretty much their full iteration. PJ Tucker got in the game. Um, today, like he was actually playing, running around doing, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love that PJ Tucker's like 38 and doesn't need any time, but James Harden just... needs a full week to, to ramp up. But, uh, PJ Tucker <laughs> came in, uh, leaning on, you know, LeBron doing what he does, grabbing offensive rebounds. Um, uh, that's what it takes to be, be like one of the Western powers who are, who are, um, fully healthy and, and cooking. PJ, PJ Tucker reminds me of, I don't know if you ever had a friend like this. Um, like we, I used to have a friend and I, I don't know. I may have been that friend too. Sometimes we used to like <laughs> leave a pair of basketball shoes, like always in the trunk of his oh, car. Yeah. And so like at any point, like we could be like at anything. And if, they, if a basketball game was necessary and he had to play, it's just, he would, he would just be ready for it. And he wouldn't even <laughs> have like shorts or socks. Like he just, he just has the shoes ready. And uh, it's just PJ Tucker reminds me of like people like that, like a guy like that. who's just like, he just walks, Jerry shows Hooper. up. He's like, I know how to play basketball. Just check the ball. <laughs> let's go. Like that sort of thing. And so it, it just cracks you up whatever he shows up. But yeah, he's in yeah, the closing lineup, man. He was like yeah. closing the game last night. And like, he, I, yeah. you see him like talking to Ty Lue, like what the play is. I think it was yeah. just hilarious. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's, hilarious. Yeah. Observationally, it's, it's super, it's super funny to, to see that. But, um, I, and, and we, you know, we didn't get the details on the last spot about what that Harden trade was to, supposed to be about. No, we don't have to cover this, but the Clippers not having to give up Terrence Mann, which was apparently fine, um, yeah. even though that was supposed to be the holdup for weeks. They end up not giving up Terrence Mann, but then they also get back P.J. Tucker. So I was just like, okay. Like, he's an old guy. He's not going to stop LeBron, but he's still a body, like a, like a NBA body that can, that can that help this team out against, you know, maybe some of the bad teams around the league. So I was shocked that that, that trade ended up going the way that it did. But, um, yeah, you know, I, I think Braun – Braun staying engaged in the game helped helped us out. I think he was a, he was um, he was a pivotal part of keeping Anthony Davis engaged in the second half of the game, getting him the ball mm-hmm. in the post, running pick and roll with him, um, and, and and just moving the ball around. And then everything you know, <laughs> Lakers managed to blow uh, a lead that they shouldn't blow at the end of the game. Uh, the game goes into overtime. Uh, we don't have to harp on how they blew the lead because they can find many. With this team, can find def- many different ways to blow leads. Uh, as we've seen over the past couple of seasons. But we get into overtime, and the guy that we are all, you know, rooting for to to finally finally catch his group um, had a, had some really fantastic moments in the overtime, Austin Reeves. 
Talk to me about like yeah. Austin. Like what 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 were you feeling when you saw Austin finally start <laughs> seeing some shots drop? Because he was very yeah. happy. He was relieved oh, to yeah. be able to see them fall. It it was nice, man. I, I think we talked about it, but I thought the takes were getting overblown, getting out yeah. of hand. Uh your Lynn Sanity run is over type of stuff was starting to was starting to seep into Austin, the Austin uh, Reeves is stealing money from the Lakers. I know. <laughs> the, the Spurs were correct, all that type of stuff, right? And uh, I thought the conversation was kind of getting out of hand. But I think what turned it around, Vinay, was the crossover on Norm Powell, right? Like I think Norm yeah. was kind of guarding him and he uh crossed him. Norm fell and hit that first jump shot. You could just see him like, oh, okay, this is my this is my time, this is my area. Came right back down again, same play, screen with AD pull-up jump shot um and he torched them and in the overtime like i think in the that was in the third and i think in the overtime lebron's like here's the keys right like and this is why Vinay, we, we talked after the kings game and we we're discussing if it was correct or not to bench him for gabe vincent yeah. and my argument was that like we just went through this we just like we we just went through a team that went through the wars, the trenches of playoff late moments and the whole point of that is so that in the regular season that carries over and i thought that's what happened tonight lebron had the trust right i'm not sure he has that without the second half of last season i'm sure he doesn't um but gives the ball to austin and said you have norm powell on you the worst defender on the court pj tucker is leaning on me to be frank about it like absolutely leaning on me go go win the game and even in the post game comments i think lebron you can hear him screaming uh go win the go win the game ar go win the game like like you could tell that was that was kind of told to him in the timeout but austin like what playoff austin pick and roll can't guard me uh Zubac in the pick and roll I'm putting you in I'm putting you in a ball screen every single time and yep. it was nice to see him get his groove back this team all, for all the Gabe Vincent hasn't in the three for Vanderbilt being out for missing our wings uh the most important thing is Austin finding his offensive kind of swag and groove and just confidence and moxie back right and I thought he found that um last night uh and we kind of switched the offense to kind of put him in positions where he's used to and comfortable um and i think christian wood plays a part of this as well but austin looked back to what he looked like you know in the playoffs in second half yeah. of last season what'd you see what'd you see on the yeah watch? no i i think we start we should start off with just bronze it's very implied trust in austin to run late game off late game offense yeah. for for this team like they you also pointed out Dilo was a big part of getting us staying in the game and getting back in the game but Dilo didn't finish the game austin finished the game and there must have been something that Ham saw. There must have been something that LeBron suggested, I would imagine, that they keep Austin on the floor. And they went to what Austin's good at, which is run the ball screen offense, let him make his reads. You know, he had um, he had the pull-up uh, that he ended up drawing a foul on. He had another one where he did – I think he used a pump fake to get Norm Powell kind of out of position and then calmly drained like this pull-up. He had another play where he drew the second defender, gave it to Anthony mm-hmm. Davis on the corner elbow for a uh, free-throw line elbow for a, you know, a very – great look jumper that Anthony Davis should be able to hit. He didn't make it, which is okay. But it's just that kind of stuff, like letting him work, work his thing. And then it, it does help that most bigs, especially because of his tape from last season, that he's willing to use the floater. He's willing to go to the room. Zubak has to kind of hang back. He can't press yeah. him all the way up to the top because Austin's also really, really good at drawing fouls. And so that, you know, it was, it was cool to see him be back to normal. That, that's that's really what it was. I don't even think it's he took a step forward. I think that's just normal Austin. That's what we kind of expect to see out of normal Austin. We just haven't been, been able to see it through, like, you know, up until this point through through different quarters of the game. And I think it'll come eventually. Um, you know, a lot of people have alluded to, or you know, I think Braun has and D'Lo have, about Austin's legs being a little tired from, T, uh, yeah. you know, from FIBA. And look, the fans will be, like, you know, 
why didn't he go play FIBA then in, in the first place in <laughs> championship matters? Like, no, I mean, I'm sure that representing his country matters a lot, like to, to Austin. So it's, you oh, know, yeah. I'm, I can't knock him for that, but he has to adjust. And one of the things that you and I both talked about in the last pod is teams are not now going to like, just be like, oh, he's a token white guy that's on their offense. Like they're going to start mm-hmm. defending him. Like, hey, this guy can score 15 points in a blink of an eye if we're not paying attention to him. Like he's that good of a shooter uh, and he's that good of a scorer. So now teams are going to press into his legs. They are going to be physical with him. The, yeah. Even the refs know that Austin Reeves is a good player. We're not going to fall for the the head the head fakes when he gets bumped and, and give him those foul calls and that sort of thing. So Austin has to work through that sort of stuff. That We're watching him do that in real time. And, you know, it, it's been a little bit rough, but it's great that he had this moment. And yeah. and I think, you know, hopefully this it's a nice turning point for him moving forward. Yeah, it's a, it's a natural progression, right? A player that's kind of made their name and now has to kind of take that next step where you're now on the top of scouting reports. Um, your game is scouted, the weight, how many times you want to go right, right? like your your preferences on where you want to drive, all that type of stuff. And I, I'm sure the legs are a part of it, and you mentioned the whole team. I'm kind of surprised the team was so like out front about that. I, I didn't expect the whole team to kind of admit, yeah, Austin doesn't have his legs, like so don't yeah. expect him to make jump shots right now. And I think he, again, went 0 for 3 from three last night um but no the pick and roll stuff i think like all the ball handling stuff all that stuff will come he's too good a player i think we have too much uh evidence from him to kind of show that he'll eventually find it um and most of i think a lot of the guys from fiba uh are also kind of struggling with their shot all around the league and that's kind of natural guys who didn't get any kind of summer to kind of rest um yeah but i think like just helping him out as well like, I, I think one of the things we learned Vinay, in these first few games is um, we have to kind of make up for our small backcourt, right, in other areas. Um, and I think that's part of it as well, playing him next to Christian Wood and AD. I thought that's where he kind of looked best. Also, teams, when they are starting to be – Russell Westbrook, I think the Clippers' game plan was go through him, right, like make him work on the defensive end, and that happened yep. a lot. And not because Austin's a bad defender because he's he's not. It's just let's work his legs. Similarly, not comparing him to – they do this to Steph, right, try to break his legs down. And I thought they did right. that to Austin – a lot last night try to go through him put him at the put him in the basket especially when 80s the only one out there trying to no real rim protection get to the line make him guard physical play you saw jalen suggs marco fultz also try this uh with orlando um that's why i think like it all kind of comes together playing him in like bigger lineups where you can kind of make up for him and d low as like kind of small backcourt but uh i think he's he, he'll he'll be fine like i wasn't worried about you know austin eventually getting his offensive game cooking I, i'm not sure he's found like everything so far you could tell the offense is still clunky for him like those five out offense he still hasn't found his rhythm uh where to attack like we talked about last time like in a four yeah. out attacking a closeout from there is much different right than passing it laterally across you know across the wing trying to get dribble penetration uh, you could see him in in d trying to figure that out but not worried about austin it was nice to see him come through with a uh with a big game and, and put a game away again for yeah. like the third straight third third time or fourth time now yeah i mean i think every laker fan is rooting for his success and and i think yeah. um you know uh, there's been a lot of like i would say inviting um within the fan base a little bit uh when it comes to him <laughs> uh you know just like the expectations is he the guy that we thought he was you know is it something else that sort of thing and it's there's been a lot of conversation around him and it's not it's not unjustified He's, he certainly has room for improvement um in terms of just kind of how he's played so far but it's just again it's five games like it, it's way sure. too soon to to cast away a, a player who you know on the highest level in, in the playoffs um in the western conference finals 
um, was one of our best players on the floor, yeah. uh, impactful players on the floor. So, I, you know, I, I think he's certainly earned a lot of grace. But last night was a great moment. So, Raj, that's all the stuff that we have for the Clippers game. Um, there was yeah. a lot of stuff that happened. But there's stuff that's happened over these five, you know, the, the these five games that um, bears uh, conversation. We talked about Cam, him being a surprise as a defensive player and it being rough. That's been a trend that's been pretty consistent over these past five games. We've seen many glimpses of him be a really positive defensive player. That's certainly one of the observations we had. But I think the most glaring observation that we've had, um, which is undoubtedly one that I, I wouldn't say Laker fans didn't see coming, but there was a there. Was, I know that both you and I said this. It was something that could, if this did happen, it would tip the scales in in the Lakers' favor in in a significant fashion. And that's Christian Wood. Christian Wood being yeah. signed uh, for a veteran minimum to to the Lakers. His basketball talent is much is worth much more than the the veteran minimum that he got. There's tons of players around the league. We just played. Oh, like yeah. Russ is another guy. Vetman guy. He's completely outperforming what that contract would normally be. Um, we've seen Eric Gordon's doing that right now for the Suns. We've, we've seen so many different guys have to take that main contract. The mark, how the market works in basketball, value, that's two different things. But Christian Wood has tipped the scales in the Lakers' favor um, in many games now. And last night was another example of one of those games where, where that's happened. And I want to throw a stat at you uh, before I give you the, give you the lead on, on Christian Wood. The Lakers have played 150, per cleaning the glass, the Lakers have played 153 possessions. With Christian mm. Wood and Anthony Davis on the floor, yeah, the Lakers are in differential, a plus thirty-two net rating over five games and one hundred and fifty-three possessions. They are uh, the offensive rating is one hundred and seventeen points per, per possession, which is fantastic. But the defensive rating is eighty-four point three, which is insane. To that, that is like. That is like, you might as well throw the ball out of bounds, and <laughs> and like you know what I mean like like in, instead of t- attempting certain shots because you're just, you're not going to get it, and so he has been a revelation um, next to Anthony Davis. We've seen him impact the the Suns game. We've seen him impact the Orlando game, and last yep. night we saw him have that game game basically clinching putback uh, uh, against the Clippers. Talk to me about what you've seen over these five games with Christian Wood. First, I think I'll eat some crow. Does it call it crow or whatever they yeah, say? You like I'll, you know, I'll, yeah. gotta eat crow. I was, you know, I did, I did not expect Christian Wood to come in with uh, this level of defensive, not just buy-in because I thought, you know, this is kind of what his last chances, but just the production on that end. Vinay, he's a lot more mobile than you'd expect. Like he's he's uniquely mobile for his size, right? He's able to move and move his hips and stay with wings. And Vinay, if I told you Christian Wood got isolation stops on Kevin Durant and Kawhi Leonard to win two games against the Suns and the Clippers. I mean, I, I wouldn't believe you. And that's yeah. something that's happened. He's, he's a guy that they're able to trust on wings. They're able to switch wing actions with him and AD because wing because Christian Wood can kind of move his feet and the other kind of underlying thing. I think most people knew he was a good rebounder, right? 20 and 10 yeah. kind of gets thrown out there a lot, but he gets like contested rebounds and he's, protecting the rim in a way that I just did not expect, right? And I'm sure Dallas fans and Milwaukee fans and Houston fans and Piston fans and wherever, however long his list <laughs> of teams that he's, too, yeah. that he's been on is like, why didn't you do that for our team? You know what I mean? But, like, he just looks like he's in a specialized role. And we've been looking for this type of player, right? Like, Marcus Soul was the first iteration, right, of this 
theoretically on paper was like, hey, you put this spacing big next to Anthony Davis while also keeping the size. And I think one issue was Marcus Hall was a great passer, but he was like in his mid 30s, took like one three every six games, even though he was yeah. wide open, right? Like stuff like just was not offensively um, uh, able at that point. But Christian Wood is like mid you know, mid he's like 27. So like yeah. still feels like he has a ton of basketball left. You could see the offense starting to come the three ball. He's too good of an offensive player to where you knew that fluidity would come. But to me, the defense stuff for him as he's doing all this stuff that I think LeBron is like, should do if like, it was LeBron was like 32 instead of his age now, yeah. but like, you just yeah. can't have, you know what I mean? But you just can't have LeBron have those forward responsibilities on on this team to compensate for our small guards and i think that's where christian could would fits in and i think that's why the numbers are what they are they're scoring at a ridiculous pace and he's also being that second line of defense and ad's being the roamer of worlds where teams kind of involve him in the screen action and then he's able to kind of play um off ball and kind of help there but christian would be able to come over and i thought the game was sealed last night when uh i think rush drove and i don't remember if he pitched it to zoo or if he tried to shoot it whatever it was and ad yeah. kind of jumped and then Christian Wood blocked, I believe, Zoo from behind, and yeah. it, it kind of iced the game to me. And I was like, oh, wow. Like, we just didn't have that before. Like, before that was Torian Prince or, you know what I mean? Like, that, like yeah. that's the type of player that was out there. Um, and Wood and AD just feel like they fit in beautifully together. But what did, what did you see from, from Christian Wood in, in these things? You know, the, the, I think the biggest thing that we were uh, – and we talked about it, the biggest thing that we were concerned about with him was buy-in. Um, I thought yeah. that the entire idea of him buying into the role that the Lakers need him to play would be the difference between him being an incredibly successful player uh, for the Lakers and him not being one. And he's bought in like through five games. He's been doing what the Lakers have asked him to do, which is protect the protect the paint. If if AD's not there to do it, crash the glass on the defense end, crash the glass on the offensive end. If you get those isolations in the paint. Take those shots with confidence. You know, he started to hit knock down a couple of threes now. Like, he looks like his legs are trying to get under him. He's had some um, good touch, like, in, in, inside the paint and stuff like that. But really, it's doing the grunt work. You know, it's it's doing the stuff in between that matters. Same thing with Cam Reddish. Same thing that we appreciate about Vando. Same thing we appreciate about all these, you know, the Gabe Vincent guys. Like, we need you to do the stuff in between. We win games when you do all that sort of stuff. And, you know, he's not getting – these crazy stats that he's probably accustomed to because he's, he is able to score the basketball and, and grab 10 boards a game if he wants. Um, but we don't need you to do that. We need you mm -hmm. to help side defend when AD has to go chase a block or, or clean up the defensive glass. If AD is out of position, cause he's had to help, uh, you know, out on the perimeter or something like that. And I, th that's been really my biggest takeaway. Like th the data very clearly shows that what Christian Wood is doing, even if the stats don't jump out at you, is helping the Lakers win basketball games. And there is no better stat for me, for us to illustrate that. than when I look at the, um, the on off, like Christian Wood leads the Lakers in on off. He is the highest in 106 minutes, even better than LeBron James. He's like a, he's like a plus 20.5 per possession per clean the yeah. glass um, uh, in our offense when he's on the floor. And our defense is insane. Like he, it's there, the opposing teams like minus 27. Point eight uh, points per possession when he's on the floor. So this two big roll, three big roll, like we rolled out yesterday with Jackson Hayes, like it's making it, it's a making a huge difference. And as long as uh, Wood continues to buy into his role and just do that, do those little things. Like he's going to, he should 
I, I think he's probably not getting his flowers enough from the fans. Mm. You know, I, I think last night a lot of fans got taken up with the whole LeBron's, you know, it's all every every single night he has a game is like, oh, year 21, year 21. Like, like I of course, yeah, nobody we haven't seen somebody he, he should get his flowers. We haven't seen that, but like these role players are making a huge difference. He's these guys are literally swinging the pendulum of a game in our direction. Um, and they're on bet minimum. That's kind of crazy, crazy to think. And I think the messenger matters too, right? Sometimes. Yeah. Like I think, you know, Christian, I'm sure like as much as people harp on Jason Kidd and actually the Mavs are 4-0 right now, interestingly. But like I'm sure Jason Kidd tried to get Christian Wood to play some defense too, right? But it's a little different coming probably from from that messenger where it was like, well, you're mentioning me for JaVale McGee. Like, you know what I mean? Like, or, you know, you're not, you know, you're, I'm, I'm putting up 18 and you're still not playing me in, in fourth quarters, et cetera, et cetera. And Darwin has done a good job, I think, being able to kind of explain to him his role. And I'm not sure if he called him every day of free agency, but that was kind of the, that was the messaging that was said. So obviously them two have a really good relationship, but I think the messenger also matters. And you can put Cam Reddish into this as well, right? I'm sure um, New York tried to get Cam to play some kind of role. And he's like, you yeah. don't even want me here. So like, why would I, you know, why would I do that for you? Um, both of those guys have looked like they found a nice kind of twilight where they're able to um, really buy in and play into a uh, specialized role. Um, my question for you, Renee, is how sustainable is this, I guess, to you? Like a Christian Wood in a defensive role, because he's playing incredibly defensively right now. And how sustainable does that look to you? Does this look like something that that is sustainable for, for a while? Because um, he's bought in incredibly. Uh, his offensive numbers are starting to pick up a little bit. But obviously, he's not really getting touches. He's not getting yeah. like post-ups. He's not – you know what I mean? Like, we're not running stuff for him. Everything he gets is out of a already compromised defense, and he's attacking closeouts or getting yeah. spot-ups. Um, is that sustainable to you with him? And you can extend that to Reddish if you want. But but Christian Wood, uh, first of all, is that is that sustainable? Yeah, I mean, I, I think to some degree it is, right? Because you look at the pecking order of guys that probably take shots for us. It's like there's four guys in front of him. Like, what at what point is there gonna is he gonna be catapulted to like the second guy or the first guy? Like, almost every lineup that he plays in, there's at least two guys yeah. that are gonna take shots before he takes shots. So everything he gets is gonna be eating off of another guy. And frankly, that's probably what his best role is. Like, he's not a number one dude, probably not a number two dude either. But he's probably better suited to be like the third best player on the floor and that's probably why he's flourishing so much um next to it because you know he's a little more he's offensively gifted um playing next to a guy who's a defensive monster in in, in anthony davis you know when ad gets tired they can go to christian wood in the offense if they want to um or run have him be uh, christian would be the, the pick and roll guy uh with d'lo or austin if they want to we've seen lebron do that with him too as well so i i think it's sustainable i don't think See, I don't think teams game plan for the third, fourth, and fifth guy, especially a guy his no. size, because a lot of times it's kind of what the Clippers do. It's like, oh, okay, they got two bigs. We're just going to like kind of zone up and, and pack the paint completely. But Christian can shoot the ball. So that doesn't really work the way that you thought it was going to work, right? Like Torian didn't play last night, but I can totally imagine that last night would have been a night where Torian got maybe three or four open threes to start the game. Um, you know, corner ones or something like that, just because of how the Clippers like to play defense off the corners uh, on Anthony Davis. So it's like, we think about stuff like that. Um, when you when you think about it in terms of like, what is the scouting report going to say? Sure. Are they going to be locked in on Christian Wood, who's maybe sometimes the third or fourth best player uh, in the lineup that, that he's in, or, you know, like be using that fashion. Like, 
there's certainly going to be times, you know, when Anthony Davis doesn't play where, where he's got, people are going to pay attention to the fact that he's playing and, and he will be on the scouting report, but I don't see any reason why it's not sustainable. The only thing I can possibly think of is as the season wanes on team and, and the, assuming everybody's healthy teams will try to be prepared for the lineups where he and AD play together and try to strategize around how you attack that lineup. Um, but that's really the most that I can think of, at least until the playoffs, because no regular season team is like, we got to watch out for Christian Wood. I know they're going to be like D'Lo, Austin, who's not playing that well. Like they're, eventually he's going to get going. And now you've got four guys between Bron AD and Austin and D'Lo that you have to account for. So I, I think he right. should be okay. Yeah, I agree with that. I also think like winning solves a lot of this, right? Like the Lakers yeah, are absolutely. winning. No one's, no one's complaining at all, right? Like if you're like one in, what are they, three and two? If you're like one in four or something, then uh, then you start having these type of conversations. Oh, yeah. Players start, you know, going into more um, self, self-induced self goals. Um, but I think if the team's winning, it'll stay. I'm so interested, Renee, when uh, Torian's going to come back soon. Rui, I think, will come back soon. Yeah. I said before, like these five games, I think you learned a lot because we didn't play like Portland, San Antonio, Charlotte, I can list Houston, right? We played all good teams who are all who are all building winning culture. Not saying these other teams aren't. San Antonio just right. beat the Spurs, I believe, but like all building like really winning habits and trying to be contenders. Um, I think we're learning that this is a team that wants to play with size and yes. that can, you know, um, can dominate you with size and be mobile still, right? Like you, you mentioned that yes. Jackson Hayes, Christian Wood, and AD lineup. Uh, there's a play that like just jumped out of my mind. Kawhi was going from left to right as he usually does, and we switched. I believe it was like I think he started with Wood on him, and then like we switched, and it was Hayes on him. Mm-hmm. And Vinay, he tried to shoot, and Hayes like volleyball blocked it. Yeah, you know what I mean? like, and it was like, and he, yeah. yeah, and you like look at Kawhi. He's like, man, there's just a ton of size here. Where like, if you yeah. just put their arms out, um, they extend the whole court. I'm just interested to see, like, when Torian comes back, are you almost at the like start, start two bigs? Are you almost there? Are you still going to start like Torian, or would you start ruining that place? I'm just so fascinated because it feels like the identity of this team is kind of different than what we all kind of placed in the beginning, yeah. where it was a super guard heavy, kill you with pretty beautiful ball movement offense and the shooting just hasn't been there to supplement to to get to that point um but i do think this is a very dominant physical team when it plays yes. the right way so where are you kind of at with those two I- ideas of a team where like you're built around gabe austin and d shooting versus you're built in, built around christian wood jackson hayes uh ad lebron just being oppressive big guys uh that dominate you physically or those two things work together to you yeah, I, I think the lineup combinations, you know, I've, I've been thinking about this a lot, like, and and we'll probably, co- they'll probably be better to cover on, on in another, after sure. like the, when we hit the 10 game mark. But like, it seems like even though, you know, we have a lot of players that can do a lot of things. And obviously we're trying to find the lineup combination balance. And, and you and I have always talked about this, or we talked about this preseason, like these, it's not a puzzle, right? It's not, we're not trying to fit sure. puzzle pieces in, in into what it is. And there sometimes, you know, we think to ourselves like the, you know, okay, I'm playing Christian Wood and Anthony Davis and Jackson Hayes at the same time. So I need to put some shooting around them. But sometimes mm-hmm. if the purpose of what your offense is or where the purpose of that lineup is, is to just completely physically dominate the interior and force the other team to take a bunch of jump shots. Maybe you aren't playing two shooters. Maybe you are playing LeBron at the point guard and then you're playing Cam Reddish at the two. And now you have a huge lineup that's now not letting Kawhi 
roam around and, and take those jump shots that he wanted and like he was taking in the first quarter when we were playing with a more downsized lineup. So it's like uh, the, the reason why I'm saying that is because I think there's enough players, there's enough tools in the toolbox where we can play really purpose-driven lineups, meaning right. that the purpose doesn't – meaning that we don't have to always – NBA or fans always think that spacing is the most important thing on the floor. But if you have a 10-point lead and you know the opposing team is trying to get mid-range jump shots, you don't have to run a lineup for spacing. You can just run a big-ass lineup to, to, to jack up their spacing and then give it to your best two guys, LeBron and AD, and and you know let them do what they do best while always keeping that size and, and that that physicality on the floor. And I think that's what you saw with that with that lineup that they ran. Like at some point, they must be like, "Look, we know Kawhi's going to shoot this. He's not passing it to anybody else. He's going to shoot it. He's going to try and find somebody that he can pick on and get the shot off on. We're just going to put three big ass dudes to help each other out yeah. and, and and make it difficult for him to take it. And if he makes it, shake his hand, you know, and and, and go to the next possession. But we're not, we're not going to – we have the size to do it now. You know, we didn't have that last season. Last season we had to downsize further and further because of what our roster was. And I I, I think maybe Cam doesn't get enough credit for, for trying that out and for it being effective because it accomplished the goal that he wanted to accomplish, which is make those shots more difficult for Kawhi. It, it did. But I was watching last night and I was just thinking, like, if Gabe and Torian were healthy, maybe they're out there, right? Yeah. And Kawhi and Paul George, their best thing is shooting right over you. Right, that's what they do. That's their. That's how they dominate ball games. And um, we were able to put size out there. Maybe it was a little. Again, you never want to see guys hurt. And Gabe's going to be evaluated now in two weeks. We just got the yeah. report. Vando, I think, is a week away from being evaluated. We have we don't know what Torian um, and Rui hopefully gets out of concussion protocol quick. But I think Renee, we got to learn like Cam Reddish is a real legit defensive guy that you can throw yeah. out there. He you throw Paul George and Kawhi are the top of the top right like there's no like especially when they're cooking like that like they were at their you know best they were at their a game and if cam can kind of survive on them you can kind of throw him on that gives you a wide variety of players you can kind of throw him on i thought max was very solid too we can get him to him you know next pod and kind of break down his game and i thought max again he kind of showed why i think people wanted him to play i think he's an awesome defensive rebounder and i thought he showed some of that he came in and crashed the boards i thought cam did that as well but it's just fascinating to me i feel like the team's going in a direction where in the preseason there was all this pretty shooting right when it was like oh man this is maybe the best Lakers shooting team ever um and then uh, obviously austin doesn't have his legs nba closeouts get a little better in the regular season and those shots aren't as open and the shots aren't as clean and it's not when the shots aren't going in, all of a sudden it's Torian Prince now as your point of attack defender, right? Or yeah. Torian Prince as your secondary um, defensive help guy. And you just get you get, those lineups. Our starters are getting crushed. This is with LeBron yeah. and AD on the floor. Starters are getting crushed. Gabe Vincent, those minutes are getting crushed. Um, and so I'm just fascinated to see which way we go. Because we have this is like a really nice intersection here where some guys are hurt. Um, and we have a chance to kind of change, I guess, the makeup and the shifting of this team. And I'm interested to see if that's the way we go. Um, and it starts, I guess, Saturday against against Orlando. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be shocked to see if he tries to test that again. I think it's just because of the circumstances, so many guys being down there. Like maybe Rui would have been on the floor instead of Jackson. Like something, it would have been a bigger guy, but not somebody specifically like Jackson. But it, that lineup only works because, again, something we talked about, this team, the bigs have defensive agility. The modern NBA is four out and five out. Yep. More and more teams are running it, which means any big that is on the floor that isn't a dedicated rim protector, um, Joel Embiid type, um, Yusuf Nurkic type, uh, Nikola Jokic type, 
you if you're not one of those guys who are already um, you know Embiid and Jokic, not not Nurkic, but like you know they're they're incredible offensive talents, so they can balance out whatever they miss on the even. You have to be able to move your feet. You have to have defensive yep. agility. Um, Jackson makes mistakes sometimes, so, you know that makes you think twice about like why he did what he did. But he's a good athlete. He gets up and down the floor. He has defensive agility. He doesn't allow guys to blow by him. And he's a great, you know, he's great in recovery. Christian Wood has also been good to 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 uh, to that degree. AD we already know is is fantastic in that. So you brought something up which I think is really important um, that we should discuss through five games. Our starting lineup of D'Lo, Austin Reeves, Torian Prince, LeBron James, and Anthony Davis has been a minus 18 net rate. Yeah. Uh, that's 117 possessions. Um, still, like you could argue that it's still a small sample size. Do mm-hmm. you think this, if this continues, let's say 10 games down the line, this number doesn't get that much better. Maybe it's minus 10 or minus 15. And let's say Vando is cleared. Would you take a shot at putting Vando back in the starting lineup in, instead of Torian? Um, to give that the shakeup that it needs. Because I, I know some people are clamoring that Christian Wood should just take his spot in the starting lineup. But I think they like Wood coming off the bench right now just because of the lineup combinations that they're getting out of uh, having him in there. But Vando would be the new guy back to the back to yep. the team. Do you think that the Lakers should consider putting him back in there if this continues um, yeah. up to 10 games? I mean, I would do it tomorrow if Vando was back healthy. Honestly, okay. I, I I think that that lineup has just shown it, it's honestly not like their fault individually, right? Like you look at Torian as a player, Austin as a player, D'Lo as a player. Their strengths just aren't to me what that starting lineup is just asking for. And obviously, I'm zooming in on Torian here because D'Lo and Austin are going to start. LeBron and ADR, obviously, it doesn't need to be said, are going to start. So I, I would put Vando in there. I just think the team and the starters are missing it's not really like detailed on the floor but like just some juice and enthusiasm and some like just uh some energy that for lack of a better term to me that they miss and vando has a really nice job to where he can be your point of attack guy Vinay. like he's a guy you can throw on those wings play that you know the, the role that reddish is playing now but also he's an awesome rebounder right he's an awesome offensive rebounder as well but he's a great defensive rebounder and he's a guy that just got 15 million a year who can't score. You know what I mean? So like that just to me puts in perspective how good he is at the other things, right? Like mm-hmm. to me, like he's on, uh, he's obviously great on defense, and I think we're just missing some size out there. And his skill set to me, he's obviously not as good as an offensive player as Torian, who didn't uh, didn't obviously didn't play against the Clippers. But I just think that that starting lineup is kind of missing what he brings, and he brings it naturally. And there's a, like an unselfishness to his game, and I'm not calling any of the starters selfish, but there's just like a sure. giving part of his game that I think that's the starters kind of need to connect it together, right? Connector is a word that gets used a lot, and Vando's name kind of gets thrown into that as well. But I think just me, a connector in that group, so he can be the screener, the handoff guy, all that type of stuff, the cutter, um, those things I think that this team is uh, really missing. What do you think? Would you would you put him back in? I, I would certainly explore it. Um, I don't – I think with – I think Torian isn't adding to anything that we don't already have in that starting lineup. And – if Braun was complaining about him floating around too much and, and just kind of mm-hmm. being in this role where he just kind of stands around, um, I think putting a guy like Vando in there adds a little bit more concreteness. Again, like this is the thing that we're talking about. They're not puzzle pieces that we're trying to fit in. It's right. the purpose, the purposefulness of the positions that, that we have in there. And I think Vando's purpose uh, takes care of like defensive rebounding. We've talked about how that's so badly needed. Um, we, we really miss that um, in a lot of different lineups. The defensive versatility again yesterday's game that first quarter braun looked like he was just kind of like blase about defending Kawhi. 
Kawhi was making a lot of shots. He was getting screened and stuff too. So that's it's not just all on Braun. But like you want Vando to be the guy who's who's checking Kawhi possibly or, or checking Paul George so they can zone up on Kawhi. So it's like stuff like that. I I think is a little bit better that we get out of it. Obviously, we run the risk of you know him being left open, but he's knocked down some threes in preseason, uh, and really all he has to do is knock down one to keep the defense honest. So if it's the first one or the second one of the game that he attempts, you know, that's all that really matters. But the, the rebounding, the motor, the pressure on the offensive rebounding glass, yep. like that kind of stuff is, it's just, there's too many small things he does. That's, that's really beneficial for us that Torian doesn't do. Um, and I think Torian would slot in probably better with some of those, the, the, the spaced out lineups, you know, when they want D'Lo to run the offense or, or Austin to run the offense. Uh, also, let me ask you, is Torian a two, you think? Like, I feel no. like, you know what? It... We've been using him like that, but I don't, I don't know if he is a two. Uh, you think he's a two? Well, I feel like we've been using him as a three and like, okay. uh, or like, or as like guarding uh, to me, his like defensive kind of responsibilities have varied because he's defended the best player. Right. So whoever it yeah. is on the other team, he's kind of, we put him on Jamal Murray, right. To start the season. I think we put him on Jaron Fox. He just can't guard those guys. Like he just does not have the foot speed yeah. or the lane. Um, but I think on this team and it kind of goes beneath to our conversation of trying to be bigger. Like is would you put Torin at the two to me? And that just gives you more size into where he's he's kind of playing more positionally to what fits his kind of measurables. Um, or or what do you what do you think? Like, or, or is he in the right position to you? For, no, I, really, I think it just depends on matchup. Like, I, I think okay. just because of the lineups that we're running and and because of the role that we we needed him to play, like we run into this issue. Um, like against the Kings, he shouldn't have been guarding Darren Fox. Um. But we had Gabe on, so I think we had Gabe on Kevin Herter because we were trying to limit like some of the shots that Herter was getting, and then they switched it, and then they let Gabe guard Fox, and then they, they had somebody else on Herter. So it's like stuff like that. Like yeah, you know, if that was like Gabe and Vando, I don't think they'd be switching off. They'd probably be okay with the assignments that they have on there, um, or switching off in case depending on how the offense runs. So it's just, I think Torian's one of those guys where I don't, I honestly don't think of him as a defensive stopper. I think of him more of like, a, you know, like that Troy Dang. Brown role. Like that, that okay. guy who just kind of does a little bit of everything, but he doesn't do yeah, anything good... too extraordinarily. Um, and and you you know he's a better finisher at the rim than Troy Brown is, I would argue, and probably a better three consistent three point shooter. Um, he has been for us, so that's the way I sort of think of uh, of Torian. Um, you can use him in spurts, and you know he can guard two, three, four, one, like, but he's not going to be able to like hold it down for for the entire section of minutes that he's playing. I, I guess for me, uh, like, is him and Gabe kind of are fit in this similar thing, Vinay. And I know they're not comparable as how they play, but in terms of, I'm not sure what I'm getting every night. You know what I mean? Like, sure. am I getting five threes or I'm getting none? Like, that's what I've, that's yeah. kind of what it's been, right? And every night it's the inconsistency being the consistent. I think that's a really tough thing to have with your starters. Like, I feel like with the starters, I kind of want to know what I'm getting. Um, yeah. And, and that's why, like, I'm very kind of cautious and, and watching kind of his game. Um, and I, I, and I, and he's not a four for sure. Right. Like yeah. Torian is not. And I think that, and those are some in the second units, like when he's kind of being, being subbed in, I feel like he's played a lot of four and has tried to play as a help defender and stuff like that. But yeah, it's, yeah. it's interesting. Yeah. It'd be, it'll be interesting to see how, how things work, but yeah, I think we're both in agreement. We'd, we'd certainly test out putting Vando back in there just because the, the synergy between that, between those lineups, just, mm -hmm. it, just the hierarchy and everything just made more sense. Everybody slotted into their roles even though the spacing wasn't the most ideal of the ideal sort of thing so i wouldn't be surprised if the lakers um you know if coach if, uh, coach ham re-explores it um 
and so that was just kind of one of the things, you know, um, you know, the, the Christian Wood segment of this was like a, like a big part of what it was. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention um, before we get into the last topic, which is going to be about this LeBron's minutes conversation, just a stat thing, because we can't do a pod, not say something nice about LeBron, because somebody will always message me afterwards and be like, yo, say something nice about him. He didn't say anything nice in, <laughs> in the hour that you said. Braun is finishing 83% of his looks at the rim this season through five games 83 percent obviously he does do some shenanigans accidental shenanigans loses his shoe puts it back on back cuts on the whole entire clippers team <laughs> for a layup stuff that like crazy. that'll happen that'll help it out um but he has been really really good at the rim and you know he it's not that he struggled the refs have been kind of unfair i would say you know missing straight up him times where he's gotten slapped in the face and they just don't there's no calls you know the famously last season the boston Game winner, which should have been game winning free throws for LeBron that, that goes uncalled. That looks like a missed layup. But Braun has, has been finished. He's 30 for 36 at the rim so far this season. Um, that is fantastic to see because if he's hitting layups at that level of a clip, does he look like he's taking them like more in control? Like it seems like he's kind of slowed down his finish. Yeah. So, and he's using like a softer touch on it. Have you seen yeah. that? He looks like he has lift, right? Like it yeah. looks like he has much better lift on his finishing. He's able to take and finish against contact more and that's really where you see the injury right to like where his mm-hmm. leg in my opinion obviously on the jump shot a lot of misses from three that were short um last season but i feel like he's yeah. got a lot more lift he's able to take more contact he looks physically as good as he's did as a laker which is freaking strange as hell to watch you have to remind yourself every time like this is year 21 and and the mileage and the minutes but um no he's looked he's looked awesome but i still think like the most important thing about this season is getting this guy to April, right? However you do it, need to carry somehow get however he looks now into, into April. Um, and I think you have a shot, however, the way to get there, whether that's a 28 to 32 minute restriction, which has gotten blown out of the water very, yes. very early, um, which I think, you know, they have some uh, lesser opponents coming up here where maybe you yeah. can kind of fit him into that, into that minutes restriction, but um, no, he's looked great, man. And you're right. The finishing, that's an insane number. I didn't know that. I didn't know he's like at 83%. On his yeah. finishing, he's still not getting a lot of calls, which is strange. Like a lot of oh, I, I have a, with like I have a whole, ones. I have a whole conspiracy about what's <laughs> actually happening and why he's not getting calls. But I'm, it's it's too elaborate. Um, so I'm gonna okay. save that for it, it's a NBA wide Adam Silver conspiracy that I have about this. Post, but I will save that for another podcast. Yeah, say, say, yeah, it, it's it's a, it's a say, great topic. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah, save that. It's just like the the juxtaposition of like watching LeBron go down. And yeah. not like get mauled right in the other yeah. end. Um, you see like Paul George get like a tap, and it's like yeah. and one. I'm like, man, like it's the exact same play that yeah. was on the other end. And you know, you, you know what the crazy part is? Um, I was watching the OKC New Orleans game before. I think that was the one that was before it. It might have been the previous mm-hmm. day. Okay. And the the national broadcast is talking about Shea Gilgis Alexander, and they're like, mm-hmm. oh, you know, he's such a great scorer and blah 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 and that sort of stuff. And the media's really been pushing Shea to be like, I, I don't know how he got the the accolade already but you know, he got first team on uh, all, all all nba guard i think last season um but they like had they brought up this thing about like o'shea draws a lot of fouls and one of the things that the the color commentator mentioned was yeah because he drives a lot like he drives like 20 times a game and i was just like hmm that's kind of a surprise because when our guys drive we don't get calls <laughs> so it can't possibly be just the amount the volume of drives is is you know there must be something else or maybe the refs just kind yeah. of see see the contact differently when it comes to it. So I, when I heard it in the back of my mind, I was like, mm, I don't think the drive has anything to do with whether they can block calls or not. 
so this isn't LeBron, but the Clippers have a guy, Norm Powell, who yeah. I believe Yo, who's a machine at getting them. Yeah, go <laughs> like he, I don't know if he, you know, has a deal or something, but like whenever like he drives and he says anything, it's called right. And it was funny. I think D'Lo got him one time. Uh, D'Lo uh, did the you know the hard end, the Norm Powell, as I call. Yeah. Like he got him a uh, biting on a three, and Norm went and complained viciously. And everyone's like, no, that's exactly what you do. It's the exact same. <laughs> play um but yeah there's it's strange lou williams got an awesome whistle when he was playing as well right yeah. lou lou was good at it as well but like norm gets a crazy whistle he gets like 10 free throws or something per 36 or something just an insane amount of time Does it even make funny. sense no yeah, i mean austin was getting a better last season mm-hmm. austin was getting a better whistle than russ and lebron and russ was like a maniac attacking the rim last season and i was just like bro I, this doesn't i don't understand how the refs give these but that's neither here nor there the LeBron topic I wanted to get to, uh, you know, obviously his rim rim stuff is amazing. His jump shot, actually his three ball has been pretty good through five games. He's 11 for a 30. That puts him at 37%. Mm-hmm. Very good. It's a little we'll inconsistent. It. He's had some one in five games and then some games where he kind of raises it. But, you know, that's overall, it's still a good number. The thing that we want to get to is this minutes thing. Um, after game one, Dave McMenamin puts out an article about how Anthony Davis has to be more consistent, basically alluding to if you want LeBron in the playoffs, like 80 has got to be more consistent. I thought that was a little unfair, but it's David Miniman. That's his job uh, to report that kind of stuff. Um, and in flame, what I like to say is he's kind of a gaslighter when it goes, you know, it's neither here nor there, but um, Braun, Braun's minutes that he was supposed to have a minute restriction. And then that's sort of gone out the window. Um, I don't think it's the, the minutes restriction is like a topical cosmetic thing. Because if Sorry. you're if you're a hardcore Laker fan and you're watching these games, um, LeBron for many of these, you, as recent as the Orlando game, I could argue, you can see what his workload is actually like, and the reason why you can also tell that he's mad, he's he's very uh, cognizant of his workload, is because after game one against Denver, he literally went to Phil Handy when he was mic'd up and he says, you know, I'm just floating, right? Like, I can play mm-hmm. point guard too, right? You guys know that, right? So, like, the Lakers are actively trying not to have to overuse him. He may be on the floor. He may be helping block shots. He may be running in transition. He's had a lot of transition layups and stuff like that this season, it feels like. Um, a lot of his scores have come in that fashion. Um, but he's not taxing himself. He's not, He's not. you know, pushing the, the boulder up the mountain uh, sure. for it to roll back down and him have to roll it back up. So, I think anybody who thinks um, – the minutes thing, like obviously you don't want him to be on the floor because you don't want him to risk injury or something like early on. But I think he's – I don't think his workload is is what his minutes imply um, over yeah. the course of the game. Um, and I, I think the Lakers will be okay uh, with that. What what, what yeah. do you think about that, that, that statement? For sure. I mean, obviously 42 minutes is as much as you workload, like as much as you manage that, you still – like that's a little high. Obviously an overtime game, so that kind of skews the yeah. numbers. Um but I think, like, Vinay, against these good teams, that's what it takes. To, yes. Like, if, do you want to win or not, right? Like, you're not beating the Clippers playing LeBron 28 minutes. I'm sorry. You're not. You're not beating Denver. You're not the Warriors. You're not beating the – like, you're not beating good teams, um, the Bucks who are struggling. But, like, that's just what it takes to beat these good teams. Now, if it's Charlotte on February and he's at 48 minutes or 42 minutes, and, yeah, you have an issue, right? That's there's a problem. Some, yeah. Yeah, there's a team-wide problem. But, yeah, against Denver, I'm not sure what you expect. Like, it, it if you want to be competitive against Denver, I'm sorry, LeBron's going to have to play like 35 to 38 minutes. Um, I agree with you on the workload though. And I think this is why, and it connects together with the Christian Wood stuff. 
I think Christian Wood takes away the defensive responsibilities, which I feel like mm-hmm. a lot are a lot more of a kind of burden that, you know, gets kind of swept under the rug because it's hard to quantify, right? You can go ahead and look at LeBron shot attempts. But like, oh, LeBron shot 25 times tonight. He was extremely burdened on the floor, right? But it's a lot harder to look at every possession and look like how many times did he have to rotate over? How many times did he have to go box out a, a team that's crashing the boards, which teams do against us? And that type of stuff to me, cleaning that up for him where like, I don't have to go. There's Christian Wood and AD already there crashing to get the defensive glass. I don't have to be the one that goes um, and just fixing those offensive kind of those defensive battles for him. And offensively, I think giving Austin Reeves, D'Lo, Gabe, hopefully when he comes back, you talked about the floating comment. Um, yeah. And I'm sure that's, you know, that's by design. That's, that's so that he doesn't have to go run a million pick and rolls and yes. LeBron's a com- competitive MFR. And when he sees Denver up 15, he's like, screw all this shit give me the freaking ball i'm, I'm gonna yeah. run every play that's just how it works um that's what these high level creators um want to want to be so uh, it's it, the push and pull right like for, for him in his minutes yeah it, it, can I, uh there's actually something funny after the king's game so braun had like 15 rebounds uh after the king's mm-hmm. game and i don't you know there's twitter has all kinds of people right they have team fans player fans and then they have the anti-player fans um okay. who I, and and so there's i don't know how it made it on my timeline but there was a somebody somebody compiled somebody who did, doesn't like lebron compiled all the rebounds that he was credited for in the sacramento game and you know there's a bunch of them where it was just like it got tipped out to him you know like javel mcgee tips it out goes right into mm. his hands or christian wood tips it out or ad's it's a scrum and and it just kind of goes to bron bron doesn't have to do anything for it and the the tweet was to imply like Oh, you know, he's not really getting these rebounds. They're just being gifted to him, basically. So he's not really putting in the effort. And I saw that and I was just like, dude, this is great because we don't want him to do this. Like, <laughs> I, know, I would yeah. love for him <laughs> to just get these rebounds in transition or like off of a scramble where he's not in the fray himself. You know what I mean? Like oh, he's yeah. not in the scrum himself and, you know, risking turning his ankle or, or anything like that or getting fallen into or something like that. And it just goes to him, and he can just run in transition because obviously he's still a, a, an incredible force on offensive transition. So it was funny because I saw that, and the whole point of it was to make LeBron look bad. But from like a Laker fan perspective, <laughs> I was like, "No, this is awesome. This is we need LeBron to get rebounds like this all the time, so he can just go break out in transition." Let me ask you this: uh, I know we're getting close here, but like, yeah, is the LeBron guarding threes thing overblown? You think like the inability of lebron to chase threes around do you think that's an overblown kind of topic because i feel like there's so much screening and switching you know in the league now to where you don't really get very like there's not very many i'm guarding him and they're running the offense through him and it's going to be me and him one-on-one for this possession like it's not really what's it's not really how the league works anymore i I was watching that clipper game and like obviously Kawhi was cooking but it was a lot it wasn't just like Kawhi and LeBron playing ones at the top of the key, mm-hmm. right? And like you score, you keep the ball. Like it wasn't, it wasn't that. It was Kawhi coming off like screens, and you know, there's there's ways to mitigate that, and there's also ways where LeBron's foot speed in those areas allow Kawhi to get open space and free. But I'm just thinking, like, just harnessing, canvassing the league, and thinking about the threes that he would have to guard. Obviously, against Boston, it gets uh, there's a decision to be made there who you put on in terms of Tatum and Brown. But I mean, look around the league, like the the wing that has that's your that's the offensive creator you throw your best defender on that guy anyway you know yeah. like whoever you're gonna throw on so uh I'll, I'll, I'll put that question to you is the lebron guarding threes thing over kind of stated to you or is, is that something that's still a real concern that playing the two big lineup kind of creates that creates that issue no i i don't think it's 
I don't. It's probably not as controversial. I think it's just we haven't seen anybody pick on him yet. Like maybe the Kawhi in the first quarter thing was like the most the closest thing to it. But like we haven't seen teams really have the talent to be able to pick on him in that regards. Like, um, so who do you got? Like Aaron Gordon, I would say. Like in, okay. in the Denver game. So like that's not a guy who's gonna pick on LeBron or, or get run in actions. That's gonna get picked on. Like if he was he's not a KD, three either, right? Aaron yeah, Gordon's he's not a, a three. Four, yeah. So yeah, um, I'm trying to think of like. Woody, he would have had to guard like Franz Wagner or something like that. Like, um, yeah, he could probably guard him or Paolo. It, it just, it just really depends on like, it, you can't put him on like a guy like Laurie Markkinen because Laurie Markkinen is okay. going to go and use a bunch of screens to get himself open. So that's the way I sort of think of it. If you want him guarding threes, that's fine. He's fully capable. I don't, I don't think he's incapable of doing that. But I don't want LeBron to have to run through a bunch of screens, and that's okay. my larger concern that. He, the wear and tear on his body increase. He's smart enough to navigate it and not worry about MSU. But just having him having to run around more than he really needs to um, is is one of the, it's like we don't want him to be sure uh, the focus of that game of attrition. You know what I mean? Like and and, yeah. and so that's why I sort of think of it. And, and what they've done really is try to put him on the non-shooter, right? Like that's the mm-hmm. kind of the guy they want him guarding. So Suns is Josh Okogi. Um, Clippers obviously was Russ last night or, you know, mm-hmm. whoever it is, he, they're trying to put him on the guy who's the least offensive threat. And if you're going to do that anyway, I mean, there's not, I don't really have very many concerns then with him yeah. uh, defensively guarding three. So just interesting yeah. to watch his minute load and all that. And I do think it's a little bit overblown in terms of he played 42 minutes. I mean, it's like probably 20, 20, 20 to 22. Like, like serious minutes. Yeah. That second half, he was, he was really like, he was really locked in probably a little bit mm-hmm. more um but yeah so you know Raj, that's the clippers game that's some of the five game trends that we've seen so far christian wood being a standout player cam cam reddish being a standout player austin reeves possibly turning things around the two big lineups being extremely effective um as a result of christian wood being really good lebron's minute load lebron's fantastic finishing at the rim um as uh, through these first five games so you know obviously we're gonna we'll, we'll revisit this at the 10 game mark and see what the sample size looks at. But the Lakers are now going to embark uh, on, a, I think, a little mini road trip. They're going to be going to Orlando, then they're going to be going to Miami, and then I think they play Houston, uh, and I think the Houston game is an away game. Good opportunity for us to collect three wins right there and and, and yep. put some breathing space between us. One of the other things that I tried to mention on Twitter, uh, and this would be my last thought, um, and then I'll give it to you for your last thought, is the Lakers are winning their division games early. That is important. Yeah. Beating the Clippers the winning these division games against the Clippers. We lost to the Kings, but it was a close game and people were upset about him playing too many minutes. But if we win these games, they will help our tiebreaker implications down the road. That means in March and April, those last two weeks, the same way the Nuggets were losing games at the end of the regular season, last season en route to the to the playoffs, everybody's just like, oh, are the Nuggets for real? No, they were just coasting because they had already taken care of business at the beginning of the season. Yep. Lakers have a real opportunity to do that this season yet again, just like they did when they won the championship. So I hope they take it seriously. I hope we can knock, collect some more wins so we don't have to worry about it in March and April and, and stress out about what's going to happen. We can let our guys take some rest when it comes into it. The divisional yeah. games matter. Win your games early so you don't have to win them later. That's my yeah. last thought for this. Roger, I'll hand it off to you for your yeah. last thought. Yeah, no, um, all I say is like, I, I agree. And the Suns just lost tonight against the Spurs, so they've lost yes. the last two. And we saw it last year, these home losses to teams who aren't like a part of the West is a bloodbath anyway, losing, it is games a bloodbath. Su- losing games you're supposed to win. They're now two and three Memphis and Memphis is zero and five Finney. And we saw last year how quickly that that's just a really tough hole to climb out of, mm-hmm. even with how much 
how much season there's left. It gets late early, as I say. Mm-hmm. Um, so Memphis has some decisions to be made soon. And yeah, like these, all these games matter, man. That Kings game, if that flips, you're four and one. And it's a totally different tune. No one's talking about LeBron's minutes in, in that situation. You know, they're talking about a team that's able to go on a run. So just little things here and there to clean up. Um, but it looks like this team is going in the right direction, at least. Players are starting to hit their groove. Players are starting to get a rhythm. You know, they wouldn't shoot as bad from three as they did to start the season. But um, yeah, it should be, should be fun. Got a, yeah. got a fun season. Yeah, great. It, it, Lakers collect their third win. Like you mentioned, we didn't collect our third win until much, much later into the regular season last season. Yeah, so we're ahead of schedule right now, and we're, we're hoping to add to that. So uh, as always, we appreciate all the folks that were able to join us live in the space. And if you joined us late, it'll be on your Spotify and Apple feeds tomorrow morning. Um, or if you like watching us on Twitter, I'll post a full video on Twitter for you guys to watch. You can also, if you don't know already, you can also... The video that we record on also shows up on Spotify and Apple too as well. So you can watch the video version of the podcast through whatever you you normally listen to. Um, But if nothing else, we appreciate you guys. Lakers have a game this Saturday uh, and we will probably do a post game after that. Um, And uh, if nothing else, when you're hearing this in the evening or in the morning, we hope you have a wonderful day. And if nothing else, we'll catch you in the next one. Take it easy. Peace.